I want to say welcome. Thanks for joining us here this morning. Uh, for those of you who don't know me, my name is Wayne, and I'm the lead pastor here at the Mustard Seed Church. And we're just so grateful that you're here joining us today. Um, we do want to say that on every other chair, you'll probably see maybe on the row that you're on these little yellow connect cards. Uh, if you've never filled one of those out before, we ask that you would and place it in a tithe box in the back as you leave. It's just a way for us literally to do what the card says, to connect. So we'd love to be able to take you to coffee, get to know you, hear your story, all that good stuff. So if you've never filled one of those out before, make sure you do throw it in the box in the back. Uh, next, we have, we are, we mentioned this a couple of weeks ago, but we are in need of audio volunteers. People to run the iPad and run the sound and all that kind of good stuff, okay? So we're going to have a sign-up sheet right here that we're going to pass around. Feel free to sign that if you'd like, even if you don't have any experience with it. We're going to have a training coming up where we're going to have Mountainside Productions come in. And they're going to train us on how to run the sound, run the iPad, all that good stuff. So if you, even if you have interest and no experience, feel free to sign up and we'll do a training and all that good stuff. Sound good? Okay. Next, VBS. VBS is coming up June 6th through the 10th. And uh, we are planning, it's been two years, I think, since uh, VBS has happened because of COVID. So we are planning for a ton of kids to come uh, to VBS. It's going to be at Taylor Elementary. And uh, again, we are looking for volunteers for that because if we have 200 kids, 20 volunteers ain't going to cut it. You get what I'm saying? Right? Yeah? If you have kids, you know what I'm talking about, right? So we're looking for volunteers for that. Again, you can fill it out on the card or there's a sign-up sheet in the back to where you can say, hey, I'd love to volunteer for that. Uh, it is from 8 to 12, but you don't have to be there from 8 to 12 if your schedule doesn't work. Let's say, man, only, all you can do is Tuesday from 10 to 12. Then Tuesday from 10 to 12 is a tremendous help, and we'd love to be able to have all the help that we can get. Sound good? That sign-up sheet's in the back as well. So, all righty. Well, today, Raymond, you want to come on up? Today we have Rayma, who's going to be sharing with us. Can we give her a hand? This is for you. Is this a good height for you? You know, I might do a little higher. Might do a little higher? Okay. I'm like kind of tall. Kind of yeah. Tall. I don't know. I'm in right. the middle. <laughs> so Rayma's going to be sharing with us today. She's one of our speakers here pretty regularly. And uh, she was really passionate about a Mother's Day talk today. So we're going to let you run with it and take it away. Thank Sound you. good? Yeah. Right. Sounds good. Alright, yeah, so hi. Okay, as Wayne said, my name is Raina. Um, I'm one of the uh, worship leaders here at the Mustard Seed. Family's involved in lots of different ways. And uh, when we started talking a couple months ago about a Mother's Day talk, I felt quite a mix of excitement, uh, humility, and also some intimidation. Because a lot of you mamas and grandmas out there today have many more miles than me on this motherhood journey. <laughs> so just know I'm coming with that mix of humility and excitement. And um, I do believe I still have a story to bring, one that we can all relate to and draw from. And this is whether we're seasoned mama veterans, new moms, spiritual moms, or hopeful moms. I personally am mom to three Pretty wild, um, but wondrous, cuddling, fun, awe-inspiring, often driving me crazy kids. Ellie is nine, um, Asa is almost six, and Maceo is three. So we definitely have our hands full at our house. I know as many of you do. 
And I was thinking about actually Mother's Day a couple of years ago. And this was for Mother's Day 2020. And for that particular day, our family happened to be in quarantine. And so I woke up that morning and I just decided that we were gonna have the best Mother's Day ever. It was gonna be awesome. I decided to, I got out the fancy tablecloth, I put a roast in the oven, I started cleaning almost as if we were having company over, and I just kind of threw myself headlong into all of these preparations. And as the day kept going, my kids just were not doing well, but they were complaining a lot and nagging me a lot, and they wouldn't like go play at all, and I'm trying to, you know, clean off the china and get everything rolling. And, and then Macia was a baby at the time. I remember he wouldn't take his nap. So I'd have him on in my hip. I'm just walking around trying to have this big fancy Mother's Day dinner. And we all got to the table. I set it all out. And then nobody would eat anything. <laughs> and I was like, really? Did you see all the time I put into this and all the effort? And we got out the Christmas candles, OK? I mean. It was supposed to be that special. And so we all ended up in separate rooms crying. <laughs> and the next day I called my friend Tara um, and I was just telling her my story, just unloading. I was just like, you know what? I just can't believe it. It was Mother's Day and here I was doing all this awesome stuff and she just very calmly listened to me. Let me vent, I got off the phone. Two months later, my friend Tara, she sent me a song that she wrote. So Tara is one of the um, founders of a band I really love. They're called Mountain City. And she's the songwriter for the band. And so she sent me the lyrics to what she had written. So it goes, the first verse goes, the kids fight, I'm angry, they're crying in their rooms. The sink's full, there's no money, and I don't know what to do. But I still choose our messes, all of these aches and pains. I still choose this life we've built over and over again. When I look around me, I'm thankful every day. So that song is called I Still Choose by Mountain City. You should look it up when you get home today. Um, so when she said that to me, my first thought was, oh, hey, Tara, thank you so much. I'm so honored to be in one of your amazing pieces of art. But couldn't it have been about a more glamorous moment in my life? Like maybe when my hair was awesome and I was just slaying it at life. No, it was about like one of my lowest, lowest points. Um, but then my second realization was, wow, I have a lot of expectations as a mom. Right here I was setting up this dinner and I was thinking this is what Mother's Day should look like. Um, and it kind of just all failed so miserably. I have to say, we've had other successful celebrations since then, but for some reason, right, that particular day, it just didn't go well. How about you? Have you experienced unmet expectations in your motherhood journey? Yep, I see a hand right there. Um, guess what we're doing for lunch today? We're ordering pizza. <laughs> I made that choice for sure. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> um, so when I was praying about where, what to share today, where to take us, I knew immediately that I wanted to call my sermon Three Funerals and a Wedding. And I wanted to talk about two moms from the Bible named Naomi and Ruth. These two women had very big dreams for their families. They started out with so much hope and potential for their futures, 
And yet, very quickly, the book of Ruth opens up with the, both of these ladies having life-altering tragedies hit them, one after another. Their dreams were crushed, their lives literally turned to ashes and sadness and pain. So, my first point today is, we can trust God with our hopes and dreams because he knows our future. And even when our dreams and expectations turn to ashes, he is still weaving his goodness into the middle of the fabric of our lives. So the book of Ruth begins with Naomi. In chapter one, we learn that she and her husband and her two sons, they have hit really hard times. And there's a crushing drought in the land of Israel. Um, and so, and they're farmers and they decide they need to move in order to even just make a living for their family. So they decide to move to a country called Moab, not Moab, Utah. That would be awesome. <laughs> I didn't look this up, but my guess is Moab, Utah was probably named after this old country of Moab. Um, and the thing about Moab, though, is it was a land where people did not worship the God of Israel. So they were God's chosen people moving in their own strength to this new land to try to pursue these opportunities. They get there very quickly. Naomi's husband dies, Elimelech. Things do start looking up, though. She still has her sons. They both get married. So her sons are Malon and Kilion, and they marry wives named Orpah and Ruth. And they actually live like this as a family for 10 years. So, you know, I can imagine, of course, Naomi is grieving her husband being gone, but she still has her sons, and they're still helping take care of her and her daughters-in-law. And also, it's not really explicitly stated in Ruth 1 that Naomi was teaching her daughters, her new daughters-in-law, about the God of Israel. But I, we can infer from later scriptures that she probably was, that she was teaching them how to follow God, even in a foreign land where God was not being followed at all. So here's Naomi in Moab without a husband, and yet she still has found a new family. But then tragedy strikes again, and both of her sons die. And this is before even any grandchildren can come to. So Naomi is left with no heritage and daughters-in-law. She's back to the beginning, and she's far into her life. She's grandma age, I would say. And her dreams and her hopes for her family have just been completely crushed. She does eventually rally a little bit, and she does decide to return to Israel because she hears that the famine has ended, but bitterness has taken really deep root in her, and she is spewing it just all over the people in her lives. She actually really hasn't healed, even though over a decade has passed since these tragedies had started. So let's stand together. We're going to read a passage in Ruth. This is Ruth chapter 1, verses 6 through 13. And in our church, we like to stand to read the word together, just in honor of the word of God. It's like we're asking God to cover us with his presence and his wisdom. And I'm also going to read today out of the message version because it's really good at telling stories. And this is a narrative story. Okay, so here we go. Ruth 1, 6 through 13. One day, she, Naomi, got herself together, she and her two daughters-in-law, to leave the country of Moab and to set out for home. 
She had heard that God had been pleased to visit his people and give them food. And so she started out from the place she had been living, she and her two daughters-in-law with her on the road back to the land of Judah. After a short while on the road, Naomi told her two daughters-in-law, go back, just go home and live with your mothers and may God treat you as graciously as you treated your deceased husbands and me. May God give each of you a new home and a new husband. She kissed them and they cried openly. And then they said, no, no, we're going on with you to your people. But Naomi was firm. Go back, my dear daughters. Why would you come with me? Do you suppose I still have sons in my womb who can become your future husbands? Go back, dear daughters, on your way, please. I'm too old to get a husband. Even if I said, there's still hope, and this very night got a man and had sons, can you imagine being satisfied to wait until they were grown? Would you wait that long to get married again? No. Dear daughters, this is a bitter pill for me to swallow. More bitter for me than for you. God has dealt me a hard blow. You may be seated. <laughs> okay, sorry. I know it's an intense scripture, right? Not really typical of, of Mother's Day. <laughs> um, stay with me. Stay There's with me through the story. There's a point. You're right. <laughs> um, I believe that God gave mama's deeply dreaming hearts. But when we don't trust God with those dreams, fear and expectations just creep in and our trust can very easily turn to attempts to control. Then when our dreams just don't quite happen like we thought they would or tragedy comes and completely shakes our worlds yet again, those dreams can even die and turn to ashes and resentment and bitterness. This is where we see Naomi. After all of her years of hardship and tragedy, she's attempting to even try again to control her situation, to not even invite God in. In fact, she says, God has dealt me a hard blow. She's saying, God has forgotten me. That's how she's feeling. You can hear Naomi's raw pain, and even after many of these years have passed, you think that would have dulled a bit, but she's still raging. Naomi had given up trusting God with her hopes and dreams. And she even goes so far to say as he'd forgotten her. So what about you? Have you faced a painful realization where you thought, oh, I'm living a nightmare. Can this even be real? Um, have you ever even thought that God forgot about you? The resentments so easily start to pile up when we all walk through trouble like this. Author Lori C. describes resentments as feelings that play in our minds over and over again. They're thoughts that just live rent-free in our mental spaces. Resentments can be things that we regret, things that we are angry or frustrated about, things that we wish either had happened or hadn't happened, or even wrongs that we've done. And when we let these resentments take root, and when we attempt to control and not let God help us truly and deeply grieve our fears, our expectations, and our tragedies, we won't move on. We will stay trapped in the past, unable to break ourselves free. And yet, God is still there. He's weaving his goodness into our lives only if we take the time to notice. 
He can even handle all of our raw railing and the curses and the numbness and the hopelessness we feel when our dreams have been crushed. He always holds a seed of hope for us, even when we don't. Amen. See, there's an interesting twist to Naomi's story. At her lowest point, when she was widowed, 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 childless, desolate, poor, and bitter, her daughter-in-law Ruth chooses to stay with her. Even when Naomi feels abandoned, Ruth says, I'm picking you, Naomi. So let's read um, in Ruth 1, chapters 14 through 19. The story's continuing. It says, again, they, the daughters-in-law, cried openly. Orpah kissed her mother-in-law goodbye, but Ruth embraced her and held on. Naomi said, look, your sister-in-law is going back home to live with her own people and gods. Go with her. But Ruth said, don't force me to leave you. Don't make me go home. Where you go, I go. Where you live, I'll live. Your people are my people, and your God is my God. Where you die, I'll die, and that's where I'll be buried. So help me, God. Not even death itself is going to come between us. So Naomi saw that Ruth had set her heart on going with her, and she gave in. And so the two of them traveled on together to Bethlehem. I believe Ruth's choice was Naomi's first glimpse of God's redemption. It was this little seed that was planted in Naomi's heart, but it even still took a while for that seed to actually take root and help Naomi heal and change. So that leads me to my second point today, um, which is that God makes us resilient as we rely on him. Because even after such a beautiful moment with Ruth, Naomi continued on in her own strength for a while, but God was still at work. So in Ruth 1, verses 19 through 22, we we read, when they arrived in Bethlehem, the whole town was soon buzzing. Is this really our Naomi after all of this time? But she said, don't call me Naomi, call me bitter. The strong one has dealt me a bitter blow. I left here full of life, and God has brought me back with nothing but the clothes on my back. Why would you call me Naomi? God certainly doesn't. The strong one ruined me. Some pretty heavy accusations against God, right? Um, And so Naomi was back, and Ruth the foreigner with her, back from the country of Moab. And they arrived in Bethlehem at the beginning of the barley harvest. So here's Naomi. She's coming back to her hometown. And it's almost like she just walked into the middle of a peach fest and was like, I'm bitter. Or like wore a t-shirt that said, just call me bitter. Right? Or maybe she posted it on her social media accounts. Right? Like, I mean, she's just spewing it out. It's her raw pain just radiating out onto people. And she hadn't quite reached the point where she was allowing God to help her deal with her pain, and to grieve. When we partner with him in that process, though, our grieving will shift to true resilience. But when we grieve in our own strength, they continue to be resentments and bitterness. I have to say again, God can take it. He's still at work. He's still remembering his dreams for Naomi. He's still saying, I will take care of you. She just doesn't see it yet. So the story continues, Ruth and Naomi are making their new life in Israel. 
Um, and really, her heart does start to soften, and she does begin to see God at work. Ruth chapters 2 and 3 detail this whole part of the story. Um, I'm not going to read through those as, men, as well, uh, sorry, as much as that first chapter, so you should definitely read it for yourself this week. The book of Ruth is actually only four chapters. So I encourage you to check it out. Um, so the first thing is that when they arrive to town, um, Ruth decides to go out during the barley harvest and do what was called gleaning behind the harvesters. And so there was a very rich, prominent man in the community named Boaz, and he had a lot of work to harvest. And Ruth would go behind the harvesters, like with the other widows and with the other poor, and she would pick up whatever was left on the ground. And that would be their food for the day, if they were lucky. So that she'd have to go back every day, like kind of working enough just for one day. Um, but Naomi started to see, okay, there's food on the table. We're making it one day at a time. But then Ruth begins to grow in favor with Boaz, and Boaz starts just pouring blessings upon Ruth and Naomi. So instead of one day's worth of food, now he's giving them maybe a week's worth and then a month's worth of food to store ahead of time. And so Naomi's starting to see this provision begin to come in. And then Naomi kind of starts thinking, hmm, I think Boaz might like Ruth. I think I should encourage a little romance between them. <laughs> and actually, she essentially sends Ruth to propose to Boaz. It's a long story. You should read it yourself. <laughs> In Ruth chapter 3. After this proposal happens, Naomi says in Ruth 3.18, sit back and relax, my dear daughter, until we find out how things turn out. This man isn't going to waste any time. Mark my words, he's going to get everything wrapped up today. When have we seen Naomi be relaxed? Never. Never, right? I mean, when I read that passage, I was like, oh my goodness, something has shifted in her. She's gone from control, fear, um, desperation to saying, we can trust God in this situation, even though we don't know how it's going to turn out yet. She's begun to heal, like really actually heal. And I think she's also beginning to dream about family again. God makes us resilient as we rely on him. The story of Ruth closes with a beautiful picture of redemption. Boaz decides he wants to marry Ruth, and so he goes to bat for her. And in the process, he becomes the one to actually continue Naomi's family line. And God blesses Naomi with a grandson through, Booth, through Boaz and Ruth. Excuse me, I tried to combine their names there. So the last passage I want to read is actually Ruth 4, 14 through 17. The town women said to Naomi, blessed be God. He didn't leave you without family to carry on your life. May this baby grow up to be famous in Israel. He'll make you young again. He'll take care of you in your old age. And this daughter-in-law who has brought him into the world and loves you so much, why, she's worth more to you than seven sons. Naomi took the baby and held him in her arms, cuddling him, cooing over him, waiting on him hand and foot. How many of you are that kind of grandma? <laughs> and the neighborhood women started calling him Naomi's baby boy. But his real name was Obed. And Obed was the father of Jesse, and Jesse the father of David, who later became one of the most famous kings of Israel. So
So Naomi's story began with these crushed dreams and unmet expectations. She lived for a long time, decades, in resentment of the past and also fear of the future. In the book of Ruth, one thing you'll notice is that that passage where Naomi names herself as bitter, actually, no one else in her community or God ever call her bitter. It's like she's saying, oh, God's saying, I don't accept that. Your name is not bitter. And her community is even saying, no, no, you're not bitter. <laughs> um, I think that's such a beautiful picture of what we can do when our friends and family around us are walking through such heartache, is to support them and say, no, <laughs> we won't call you bitter, even if you are. Then when Naomi began to process her bitterness with God, she started to notice his provision in unexpected ways. It was like the blinders came off and she could actually have the capacity to see God's hope for her future. He rebirthed her dreams. He gave her a family again. He moved her out of survival mode and into resilience. Amen. Yeah, so as we close, um, worship team, you come up. I wanted to share a personal story. Um, <clears throat> about two weeks ago, my husband Matt was in the ER and the hospital, and that week he was diagnosed with advanced heart disease. And this was a complete shock to us because um, he's young, and there's never been any indication in our families or you know, like at doctors' offices or anything like that that this is even an issue. And so there's a lot of unknowns in our lives right now. Um, this past week in particular, I have battled with a lot of fear and a lot of fear about the future, especially when I think about the future of my family. But also concurrently in the last two weeks, God has very consistently and daily been asking me, do I choose to trust him or do I choose to try to use control and fear to manipulate my future? Honestly, some days I've chosen both. I go back and forth, right, between the two. But when I stop and I look around, I see God showing up so graciously. There's been some really wild moments of provision. Um, including uh, there were several people in the church who told me later, like, the week before all this happened, God woke them up in the middle of the night to pray for our family. Even one of them said they were praying for Matt's heart. And um, also, we can attest to this, we met about the sermon three weeks ago before any of this happened. <laughs> so I felt like, it was almost like God gave me the sermon for me too. Yeah. Not just me speaking to myself. I mean, there's been a lot of people pouring into us too, but I was kind of struck by, oh, Wow, yeah. Can I say it's like Esther for such a time as this. There's the provision. Yeah. Yeah, the provision of the yes. encouragement yes. and the practicalities. Yeah, it's just been a very humbling couple of weeks. And I see God at work weaving his goodness into my story. And I can't say very confidently all the time, like, I know what the future is going to look like. Actually, I don't think any of us can, <laughs> even though we some days feel like we have that bravado. Um, <clears throat> he's at work, even in my darkest days. 
So this is actually a little encouragement I wrote to the mamas of the mustard seed three weeks ago before all this happened in my life. And it's for me too. So I'm going to read this if that's okay. And then I think we're going to pray. Okay. So I wrote, mamas, Jesus wants to meet us where we are today. We all walk a unique road, a mix of dreams realized and dashed expectations. But remember, God did make us to dream. To speak life over our kids, the ones with us now, the ones we've lost, the ones yet to be. Even if our families look nothing like we had thought or planned initially. God is at work in our lives, both behind the scenes and right in the middle of the scene too. He's weaving a legacy together for us and through us as we trust in him. He's completely trustworthy of our dashed expectations and even the ones that we might not even want to admit have been dashed. God today, help us let love make its way into our hearts. Holy Spirit, gently lead us to grieve and also to freedom. Transform our resentments and bitterness into full joy. Help us to lay those down at your feet. Help us to laugh without fear at the future. Help us to know that your perfect love casts out all fear. Yes, amen. Can we give Raymond a hand, huh? Hey, would you stand with me? What we love to do here is what we call at the end, we call it ministry time. And it's just creating the space to respond to whatever uh, God might be stirring up within you. And uh, one thing that really resonated with me uh, as Raymond was speaking was just how in the midst of hardship, prayer and community surrounded her. In the midst of hardship, prayer and community surround her. And so what we're going to do is we're going to just create space here to pray for one another. No pressure. We're not trying to put on any show or anything like that. We're just trying to have prayer and community to surround one another. Okay? So let's pray. Let's wait. We're going to sit in some silence for a little bit. And what I want you to be thinking about is if you're going through something right now in life and you feel like, man... Sort of what Raymond was talking about. Maybe not to that extent, but it feels like a, a hard spot. You feel like you're in a hard place or a hard season or there's some decision making on the horizon. Let's just in this moment, let's take that before the Lord. Let's sit in some, we're going to we're not have solitude because we're all in here together, but we're going to have some silence, okay? So let's wait.